morning. And good morning to those who are watching from home. I invite you to stand as we worship this morning. We're going to begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for this day. Lord God, we offer up this time to you. Please have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Great is the Lord God Almighty. Great is the Lord on high. The train of His robe fills the temple. And we cry out, highest your heads open the doors let the king glory come in and forever be our god lift up your heads open the doors let the king glory
Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glory. all as it should be blessed be your name blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering though there's pain in the offering blessed be your name every blessing you pour out I'll turn back to praise when the dark closes in Lord still I will say blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be your name blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be your glorious name blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be your name blessed be the name of the of the Lord. What an awesome way to start our service this morning. We are so glad you are here with us today. And if you're joining us online, we are so excited you are tuning in as well. Why don't you just take a moment, wave hi to the people around you, and then we have a few announcements before we dismiss the children this morning.
Awesome. Awesome. It is so good to see everyone here. Just a few quick announcements. The first one is if you are a student from grade 6 to grade 12, this Thursday night is our last youth night of the summer. We have been so blessed to be able to meet in person all summer long, and we're going to close it off with a Nerf night around the church. It's going to be so much fun. So if you're grade 6 to 12, you will not want to miss this event. And then the next announcement we have is this Wednesday is our final Kids Fun Day event of the summer. It's been a great summer hosting these events once a month. And I just want to thank every volunteer who's committed to each of these events throughout uh, the past couple months. This last one is, is closed for registration, so please be in prayer for all the children and all the leaders who will be here this Wednesday. It's going to be so much fun. So at this time, kids, we would like to send you off to Kids Church. You can meet your volunteers at the door, and we hope you have a great time this morning. And parents, just as a reminder, before we turn it back over to Tyler for worship, uh, we're trying something new. Instead, when the kids come back after service, they're not going to be coming to your seat. You'll be going to them once you are dismissed. So just remember to go to the door to pick up your children after service. So with that, let me pray and we'll get back into some worship today. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together as a church family, whether in person or online. We know your presence is with us today. So God, as we go into this time of worship, may you just, just touch our hearts and, and speak, speak to us about uh, your love for us. And God, let us learn and experience something new about you this morning. God, may we have a fresh encounter with you today. In your name, amen. of you, my King. I'm giving you my dreams. I'm laying down my rights. I'm giving up my pride for the promise of new life. And I surrender all to you. Singing you this song. 
singing you this song I'm waiting at the cross and all the world holds dear I count it all as loss for the sake of knowing you the glory of your name to know the lasting joy even sharing in your pain and I surrender all to you all to you and I surrender all to you
Jesus in me. Have your way. Have your way in me. Have your remain standing for the reading of God's Word. This morning we're reading from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 13. And it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well, so if God has given you the ability to prophecy, speak it with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Thank you. You may be seated this morning. Well, it is so good to be here with you and to be able to preach 
this morning. And I want to begin by asking a question. Feel free to answer it in your head. Reflect on yourself a little bit. You know, let it, let, let it stew a little bit. The question is, what are you dedicated to? What are you dedicated to? Maybe for some, your answer is your significant other. I know for me, Esther and I uh, hit a, a milestone in our, in our marriage by celebrating five years uh, this past Friday. And that, it takes dedication. It takes dedication in your relationships. Maybe you can say you're dedicated to your children. What about your friends or your work? You know, maybe, maybe you can say uh, you're dedicated to, to, to finding a cure for insomnia and you won't rest until you find it. <laughs> I'm here all week. <laughs> but jokes aside... You hear stories all the time, uh, and some, these are some of my favorite stories of dedication, of actors and actresses who are so dedicated to the role they are playing that they let that dedication inspire them and transform them so that they can achieve the best possible result. And there's one story of an actor uh, named Tom Holland. If you're a Marvel movie fan, you know him. He is, he's Spider-Man in those movies. And he was so dedicated to nailing his portrayal of the character that he actually went undercover in a high school in New York for three days using a different name and everything. He even told people that he was going to be the new Spider-Man. And you know, like, you go around in high school saying stuff like that. No one's going to believe you. So no one took him seriously. And he used those reactions to gauge and to inform that characterization. My personal favorite examples of dedication as well can be found in the life of various athletes who have pushed themselves and overcame competition and life circumstances in order to become the best at what they do. One athlete that immediately comes to my mind is, is Michael Jordan, who is arguably the greatest pro basketball player of all time. And I say arguably because people have, have opinions about this, but you can talk to me about it after. He finished his basketball career with six NBA titles and, and one of the best careers in league history. What's even more inspiring about his accomplishments, though, was that he was able to do all this despite getting cut from his high school team, navigating family tragedy throughout his life, and failing at his other dream of playing pro baseball. It took him dedication to get to where he needed to be. It also took sacrifice as well. Dedication to anything often does take sacrifice. And so the title of the message this morning is The Dedicated Life. The Dedicated Life. And the whole idea of this message is about how we, as individuals, have been transformed by the love of God should live. Not only that, but how we are called to live in unity as a body of believers, as Christ-centered community. A lot of people can read this passage and see it as, as a kind of how-to of Christianity. And it's not entirely wrong, but there is still so much more to it. It's a message that urges believers to live wholeheartedly in devotion to God as what Paul describes in our text, living sacrifices. This morning, we will be reminded that because of the mercies of God in our lives, we are called to live a dedicated life, fully devoted to the purpose of worshiping Him and living in unity with the people around us. So if you're taking notes this morning, you can uh, jot these points down as we go through them. The first one is that the dedicated life is an act of worship. See, it is Paul's pattern to begin a letter with a strong doctrinal section and then follow with exhortations to Christian living. You see, Paul doesn't just string along different ideas and asks the reader to figure out the answer to the puzzle themselves, right? Paul shows them the answer to the puzzle and helps show them where and how those pieces of the puzzle fit. 
So here, Paul urges Christians to live a certain way in light of what God has done for them. Other translations use the phrase, because of God's mercy. Because of God's mercy. So Paul's purpose, right off the top, is to help remind followers of Jesus of all the things God has done for them to bring them to where they are. This is what God has done. And this is what we should do as a response. And our natural response as such is, according to Paul, to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. That is the way, that is truly the way, rather, we worship him. What Paul is saying here with the subject of living sacrifices, that, that, that term alone, it just sounds like it requires work. It sounds like it requires dedication to achieve. It's one of those things that can't be achieved without dedication to it. The standard that Paul is calling followers of Jesus to isn't something we can reach without dedication. But there's something more here. It is a reference here to a a specific act of worship by offering a sacrifice to God. Here, instead of offering an animal, we are told we should offer our own bodies as a sacrifice to God. And it's not the same idea as the Old Testament sense of sacrifice. One way to understand sacrifice in the New Testament is as a service or an offering to God. And we see this idea in Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, which says, "At At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with all the gifts you sent me from Meraphroditus. They are a sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. See, when Paul describes here a gift he received from the Philippian church as a sweet-smelling sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God, Paul is not saying that they literally made an offering to God in the Old Testament sacrificial sense. Rather, by serving Paul and meeting his needs at that moment, the Philippians served the cause of God, which was acceptable and which was pleasing to the Lord. The idea of a living sacrifice is to give all of ourselves. It means practical and real actions in a world of daily life and daily work. All believers become living sacrifices by offering their time, their talent, and energy in work that benefits other people and or God's entire creation. Our response to the mercies of God that we have seen proven time and time again, should be to take our everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering, dedicating it to him as a living sacrifice. Embracing what God has done for you and offering yourself back to him in response is the greatest act of worship that we can give back to God. So don't become so well-adjusted to your normal, to your everyday, that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God within your everyday normal, because as we are about to see, it's that that leads to transformation. The dedicated life leads to the transformed life. Dedicating our lives as a living act of worship because of how good God is, is what leads us to embracing the transformation that comes by following Jesus. Verse 2 of our passage today says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 
The means to a dedicated life is having a renewed mind. Therefore, the surrendering of our whole lives to God begins on the inside in the way we think and works its way to the outside in what we do. And notice a couple of things about this. It doesn't say to transform your mind. It says to be transformed. We don't do this. The Holy Spirit does, and we follow. The other thing that's clear in this verse is that this is a continual process. The Spirit keeps renewing our minds. This will go on for the rest of our lives. This result, or the result of this renewal of our mind is that we will be able to discern what's pleasing to God and continually dedicate ourselves to a life of worshiping Him. Our second point this morning is that the dedicated life is fulfilled in community. A few months ago, uh, Pastor Shannon wrapped up a message series on the importance of Christ-centered community. And there was one message in particular from that series that stuck out to me about how, we, about how when we experience the light and love of God in our lives, we can then experience the hope of a relationship with Jesus that inevitably results in relationship with one another. With one another. In our passage this morning, verse one, verses 1 and 2 are, are a call to live the dedicated life, while the remaining verses are a description of what that looks like practically. What that looks like practically. And a big part of living the dedicated life is fulfilled in community with one another. So Paul begins verse 3 by instructing believers not to think of ourselves as better than another, but to live with humility. Why? Because each and every person God has created has a purpose within the reality of Christ-centered community. Verses 4 to 5 of our passage says this, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In the first two verses of our passage that covered our first point this morning, the call to offer ourselves as living sacrifices is one that is universal to every believer, to you and to I. It is a standard of living and a proper response to God because of all he has done for us. But starting in verse 3 and leading all the way to verse 8, Paul changes things up slightly. He changes things up slightly. It's still a message meant for all believers, but one that shifts its focus to the uniqueness of each person that makes up the body of believers. Because between you and I and the person sitting next to you, there are inherent differences that God created to exist. And because of that uniqueness in creation, each and every one of us have different things to bring to the table, and each benefits the body of Christ or Christ-centered community as a whole. In the body of Christ, there is unity, but not uniformity. The church is a unified whole. It is one body, yet we are distinct within that body. We are individual members. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to go on a missions trip to Colombia, actually two years ago, pretty much exactly, where the team helped build an expansion to a boy's orphanage home. And it was on that trip that I was able to learn how to lay bricks. And I have a huge respect for anyone who does that for a living because it is, it is hard work. And one of my jobs was to build a wall for one of the new 
rooms. And the wall in the picture there is, is the first one I had a hand in helping put together. And there were many times where I had to lay a brick only to take it off and try to lay it again and again because it wouldn't be in a position that would add to the stability of the rest of the wall. And man, if that wasn't the most frustrating thing, to place a line of bricks and to start the next one only to see that the line you just finished wasn't placed correctly, it was a little crooked, it was leaning further out, and, and, and that wasn't good because we didn't want the wall to collapse. And you, th- and you can think of it this way. If the body of Christ was symbolized by a brick house, we'd each be one of the bricks that made up said house. I'm not here calling anyone a brick this morning, I promise. But you can begin to get the idea. Each brick laid places, or plays rather, an important part to the stability of the house as a whole. And if one brick is out of place, it will affect the rest of the house. The dedicated life is fulfilled in community because Christ-centered community can only happen when each and every one of us are utilizing the gifts God created us with for the benefit of one another. Paul brings up the parts of the human body working together for the sake of the whole. Each member of the human body has a specialized purpose, right? Whether, Whether a hand or foot or eye, ear, nose, the various parts do not compete for prominence, but cooperate for mutual benefit. And it's the same with you and I, followers of Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12, and then skipping ahead to verse 25 to 27, only serves to expand on this idea. And it says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. And this makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. In verses 6 to 8 of our passage this morning, Paul highlights some of the various gifts given to us by God because of his grace. Each one of us has a part to play, and God created it so that you have a place within community. Not one person, you nor I, are forsaken, are forgotten, or useless. You are needed. You are needed. There's a place for you within the body of Christ, and you have a purpose. Students in this room, you have a place here within the church. And maybe you've never heard that before, but you have a purpose, and you are needed here. Kids, just the same, in the exact same manner. Young adults as well, families too, parents, adults, grandparents, great-grandparents all have a purpose in the church and all were made in God's image to play a role as a part of the body of Christ. No one is left out. No one is forgotten. Overall, the dedicated life is lived practically through community. And community involves people. It involves people of all ages and all backgrounds. The fact is that faith involves people and is fulfilled in a community that works together for the sake of one another and the kingdom of God. Our third point this morning. The dedicated life is founded on love. At this point in our passage, Paul reveals the foundation for living the dedicated life. And each thing he lists in this part of our passage is permeated by the underlying principle of showing love to one 
another. If our love for all people is genuine and true, not just a mask or a facade, then everything else that Paul has urged believers to do so far will follow. So let's reread for a moment verses 9 to 13. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. There's so much more to this chapter that we could continue reading, but for the sake of time this morning, I decided to, to, to cap it there. But I believe that nowhere else does the dedicated life become more apparent than these verses here. Because the, ded- the dedicated life can only happen when it is founded on love. The dedicated life can only happen when it is founded on love. Love expresses itself in community through dedication to one another. It holds the other in honor and gives to the other the place of preference. Love seeks the good of our friends and even our enemies, even at our own expense. Love hates what is wrong and strives towards justice for those who are in need. The love that Paul describes here is a love that can only be described as sacrificial. Going back to the first two verses, living the dedicated life means living a self-sacrificial life, a life of surrender. We sang a lot about surrender this morning and what it means to surrender ourselves to the will of God. We can't say we are truly living sacrificial and dedicated lives if we don't have love as the foundation for our way of living. Even Paul knew this and expands on it further in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 to 3 which says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You can have all these things that God has given us to fulfill our role in Christ-centered community. You can do things sacrificially for those in need. But Paul says, if any of this is done without love, nothing is gained. Love needs to be the foundation to live the dedicated life. Love sets the foundation for all these things. And as followers of Jesus, we must dedicate ourselves fully to setting love as the foundation of our lives. So in conclusion this morning, the mercies of God that we have received call us to living the dedicated life in response. That is the most fitting act of worship that we can give back to God. And love is the foundation of this way of living, transforming our way of thinking and and, and acting in order to live in unity with all people. See, Paul has painted for us a picture of a dedicated lifestyle, one that lives sacrificially. This life of sacrifice will involve our mind, our will, our emotions. The dedicated life doesn't just happen. It requires 
I mean, as the name suggests, dedication. But this life of dedication and self-sacrifice isn't, it isn't without hope. Our hope is in Jesus and the promise that we have in him. We must continually acknowledge that our hope, our future in eternity with God is worth celebrating right now. Thankfully, something I find comforting is that the dedicated life isn't done alone. It isn't done alone. It isn't fulfilled in isolation. And it doesn't happen by ourselves. Because God created us with our own gifts, we are meant to play a part. And maybe you are here this morning and you feel like you don't belong. Maybe you are here this morning and you feel like, like you don't know what your place is and what it is God wants you to do. May I suggest that there is a place for you here within this Christ-centered community. See, you were created with a purpose. And that purpose is fulfilled in community. You are necessary. And you can choose to live the dedicated life that God calls us to and work in unity with those around us. And if you've never had the chance to dedicate all that you are to God and begin that journey of relationship with Jesus, maybe this morning is your chance to do that. And if you pray that prayer, and if you ask Jesus into your life this morning, let us know so that we can celebrate that decision with you. The dedicated life is a life that calls us to live by a higher standard than the world around us. Paul goes out of his way in this passage by reminding us not to conform to the pattern of this world, but to instead be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And I love the way that the message translation of the Bible puts it. It says, Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention from God or on God, rather. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. I like the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. So I invite you to stand with me this morning. Church, the dedicated life is available to you. And as Tyler leads us in one final song, I encourage you, to examine your relationship with God and ask him to transform you from the inside out so that your life is founded on love, built around community, and focused on the act of worshiping him with your whole self. It requires surrender. It requires sacrifice. And again, dedication to anything often does. But the dedicated life is one ultimately of fulfillment and value. And it's one that leads to transformation and change within our world today. So I encourage you to take that opportunity with God this morning and choose to live dedicated to him, the one who loves you so much. Oh, to Jesus I surrender to him I freely give I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily
our prayer this morning. 